Welcome to the You Get Today podcast, where we highlight ordinary people who faced extraordinary challenges in life and found a way to overcome. We hope their stories will encourage you that you are not alone in whatever pain you're facing and that today is yours to make amazing. I'm your host, Rachel, and today's guest is my good friend, Sabrina Walden. Sabrina and I have been friends forever, and our boys played sports together. So our boys are now 20, Mm -hmm. and they would have been t-ballers, so it's been a while. She's a force to be reckoned with and a massive boss. I don't say girl boss because nobody says boy boss, so you're just a boss. (laughs) Her story of abuse and rising above it will inspire so many, and I'm super thankful she's been willing to open up and share her story. All right, the brag sheet, Sabrina. You graduated from high school and vocational school with an accounting specialization certification from the Ohio Office Education Association. Nice. Mm -hmm. She survived a difficult childhood. Sabrina has been married for 34 years and has raised two children who are soon to be 33 and 20. Mm -hmm. Does that sound so crazy? It's crazy. (laughs) It's so crazy. (laughs) 33, I didn't realize your daughter was 30. Yeah, 13 years apart. Whoa. Her mom moved into their home and she cared for her for seven years. And we were just talking before this that she passed away about, let's see, 2018. So five or six years ago. Mm -hmm. Okay. She has built her Mary Kay business for over six years and has been top in sales locally and Princess Court of Sales nationally twice. She had the honor of walking across the stage at a seminar in Dallas. That's so cool. Uh, She loves her current job with a nonprofit agency in real services. Sabrina loves having a community of sisterhood with godly women, and she is a current breast cancer survivor, which we have to say how current this is. Very current. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, we'll talk about that for sure. So, Sabrina, I always have everybody start with their upbringing. So, where did you kind of grow up? With whom? Brothers, sisters, all the things. Um, I grew up in Southern Ohio, West Virginia, Huntington, West Virginia area. And um, I was the only child of my mom and dad's together. Okay. My father was married before, and he had four sons. Okay. So you had stepbrothers then? Half-brothers. Oh, right. And then did you get to see them very much growing up? I was raised with two of them for a short period of time. Okay. And um, one of them um, decided to stay with their grandparents, and then the other one was given away. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so then your mom remarried pretty quickly or no? My mom and dad married. That's right. And so you and so you only were with your mom and dad, and then your mom never got divorced. You were always with mom and dad? Um, mom and dad divorced when it was all about said and done when I was 14. Okay, yeah. okay, gotcha. All right. Yeah. And then mom never remarried? Mom never remarried. Okay, all right. And you were the only one, wow, only child in that whole thing yeah for several years yeah Yeah. okay and then when you so you always grew up in that area did you then when you graduated stay around there or did you move back here or how we moved quite a bit when I was little because dad was a construction worker he was a lather so we moved from Huntington West Virginia to um, Asheville North Carolina oh from Asheville North Carolina we moved to Marietta Georgia and Lawrenceville Georgia and then back to West Virginia where they're from yeah and then we ended up moving across the river to Ohio okay so and all before high school I went to seven different schools and like looking back on that now because there are mm-hmm. a lot of kids that have like whether it's military or whatever mm-hmm. what was that like like did it force you to meet people or yes. were you okay because it was at the beginning of the year 
Oh my god! It was always in the middle of the year. Oh my gosh! So it was it was terrifying at times. Yeah. You know? So I can understand those kids that kind of get shuffled around. And, oh my gosh! And when you when your mom and dad would tell you you were moving again, was it like seriously? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. Mm-hmm. Now, were you a pretty like in high school? You know, the teen years, were you a pretty, like, calm, copacetic kind of kid? Or did you rebel at that point because you were just over it? Um, I think towards the end there, um, my mom had moved the last time from a school that I had been to the longest. Oh, and that really was hard, I bet. Yeah. Okay. So that's where I was excelling at yeah. and doing very well at was getting my credits in place because I already kind of had an idea what I wanted to do. Yeah. So she had moved on me while I was with my father in Florida. Yeah. So you were visiting dad because mm-hmm. they're divorced at this point and she mm-hmm. moves. Yeah. 20 minutes away. Uh, but enough to change schools and. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So talk about like, were you kind of like, I can't wait to graduate and get out of here or yeah. what was, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And what was the plan? Well, kind of starting from the very beginning of my childhood, um, it was always dysfunctional. My dad was an alcoholic, and he beat mom. Mm-hmm. So they were always separating, okay. back together, separated, back together, pulled out of school. It was just very dysfunctional. Yeah. So trying to hold that up, and then finally when it came to a head and, and they did divorce, dad left, and he went to Florida. Okay. Luckily, he didn't forget about me. He did send for me every summer, but it's the only time I got to see him. So when it came holidays, it was way different. Yeah. You know, mom was in her own little world. Mm -hmm. She was broken. Yeah, sure. Um, Didn't know what direction to turn um, because he left her with so much. And um, I pretty much had to help pick her up off the floor. Yeah. So at that point, at 15, it was like the rules reversed. Yeah. I became her caretaker, and was pretty much her caretaker till the day she died. Yeah, yeah. Just so. the strong one and the mm-hmm. emotionally and mm-hmm. all of it, yeah. Because I was a people pleaser. Right. I wanted to make everybody happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, did you guys in your relationship ever, like, kind of come to terms with that? Like, were you able to talk about it, or did you just kind of go, this is just the way it is in our relationship? In my mind, it was just the way it was. She was very manipulating. Yeah. And always wanted to have control over yeah. me. Okay. Very possessive. Yeah. Um, she always laid her problems upon me. I remember it, at the earliest age of four years old in Asheville, North Carolina, her sitting me up on the kitchen counter telling me that there's going to be a day that we won't be living with daddy any longer. So I carried her burdens. Yeah, sure. At a very, starting at a very young age. Yeah. And what do you think, like looking back, because I always, I have another friend who's kind of similar circumstance where she now is caring for her mom who maybe always didn't do the role Mm -hmm. of mom Mm -hmm. and is a very difficult person Mm -hmm. to care for Mm -hmm. the older she gets. And it's like, what inside of you makes you go, I'm still going to do this? Like, even though I could say to her, you know what? You're on your own. This I this was a rough childhood, and you have your own issues. I'm done. So what is it that you're like? I don't know if I have an answer to that. Yeah. I feel, now that I'm older and I'm looking at it, I feel like it was the Lord. Yeah. Um, I feel like the Lord put me on this earth to give my dad and my mom unconditional love. 
Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that sounds selfish or not, but I feel like they never found true love. Yeah. And I, I feel like that's the reason I was here and I always turned the other cheek. I always gave forgiveness. Yeah. I never turned my back on my parents. They're the only parents I had. Yeah, sure. And most people would hold grudges, yeah. turn their back and never turn back. Yeah, right, right. It, I mean, and understandably, people would But my like, natural, my natural personality just wasn't made that way. Yeah, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, I'm trying sure. to make sense of it too sometimes. For sure. Yeah. And she was a firecracker. I always had her out at the ballpark and it was mm-hmm. like, okay. <laughs> so I can imagine seven years living with you was an interesting mm-hmm. dynamic for sure. Now, so when you left, did you leave right after high school then and move? Or did you end up mm-hmm. staying with her and kind of moving around still? Um, well, kind of to go back a little bit. Yeah. Um, mom reverted back to her teenage years. When her and dad divorced. Okay. So they were 10 years difference between them. Okay. So when mom had me, she was 20 and dad was 30. Okay. So I always say that I was a part of a feel good and they just didn't know how to be parents. Right. I mean, maybe that's not a good way to say it, but no, it they sense. didn't know how to be parents. My father and his ex-wife couldn't be parents to four innocent boys. And they allowed her parents to help take mm-hmm. care of them and raise them or they pretty much raised themselves. So it was just very difficult on, on that part. Um, when mom reverted to her teenage years, that's when she started dating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was from going out and then not coming home. Sure. And then I'm like, oh my God, I wake up in the middle of the night and mom's not here. Yeah. Didn't have cell phones back then. Sure. You know? Sure. And so I worried worried and worried and trying to go into go to school yeah concentrate there too so um and then that's what she did she when we she moved the couple times that she moved she moved to be closer to the boyfriend Mm. so it was always like her seeking out Mm -hmm. somebody to love Mm -hmm. her and yeah Mm -hmm. and always that's usually a toxic Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she never was a drinker when her and dad were married, but she became a drinker after they divorced. Yeah. And as the years progressed, it got worse. Yeah. And then it was like fighting was her entertainment. Yeah. So her and her boyfriends would fight. The, like last the drama one, of it was like, yeah. The last one she was with was 16 years. Oh, my goodness. And that was towards the end of me leaving the area. And they would just abuse each other to the point that my grandmother, her mother, said, Sabrina, please leave, go away, don't ever come back and live a wonderful life. You deserve it. Yeah. Wow. Because it was so... Now, was it in the boyfriend situation that, like, abuse happened for you, or was that a different... It was a boyfriend situation, but not the one that she was with at last. It was the one before that. So, and it was just a lot of manipulation and, um, you try to, you try to bury trauma and try to forget about it, but I've never talked about it much. I never got therapy over it because you didn't talk about it. Yeah. And it didn't hit me until probably a few years ago. It uprooted, um, when I became a mentor, um, and the mentee that I had, she went through exact same thing as I did in different way. 
Yeah. And got taken out of the home. Yeah. They didn't do that. You didn't call no. nobody then. Right. But when I listened to her story and helped her her therapy, it was really hard. Yeah. Because I would come home and I would be like to my husband, I don't know if I can do this. And that's when he said to me, you know, the Lord sometimes puts you through things so that you can help somebody else. Yeah. And that gave me the strength to continue to help my mentee. Yeah. Yeah. Now, was it, and just out of curiosity, was it not that you necessarily like repressed, forgot about it, but it was more, you just almost, I don't want to say embarrassed about it or just, you know, that's in the past. I'm going to let it go. Mm -hmm. Like how often did you think about it before when she told her story, you were like, yeah, I'm done carrying this around. Yeah. 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 I didn't know what to do with it. Yeah. You know, I just knew that this this girl needed me to help her, mm-hmm. and she needed somebody to talk to. And I, I don't know if I really even put much thought into it, and just yeah. except for hitting it head on, yeah. you know, just taking it as it, it went. Right. Um, her and I still have a very good relationship, and she'll probably always be a part of my life. Yeah. Um. But I thought. More as I get older, it bothers me. Yeah. And um, it hit me. It was November 19th of this past year at church. And the pastor gave a message Mm -hmm. about forgiveness. And he told a a similar story of himself. And it was like the Lord was talking to me that you need to get this out. Mm -hmm. You need to forgive. Right. Because I've carried resentment. Yeah. And what does forgiveness look like to you? Like, to different people, like, do you feel like you have to go, I mean, I don't even know if this person's still alive, but go have a face-to-face. Like, what does it look like to you to forgive? I don't know what to do. At times, I do want to reach out. I think at this point, now that I'm sitting here talking with you, I believe he's still alive. Mm-hmm. And I think I probably do need to reach out to him, and maybe that will give me, I try to talk to mom about it, but that's your problem, not my problem. Mm-hmm. See, my problems were not her problems. Right. So I could never talk to her about about those type of things. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think that forgiveness is where I need to go and say, hey, you don't know what this has done to my life, but I forgive you. And I hope that you can go to the Lord and ask for forgiveness yourself. Yeah. And I think there's two really important things there, Sabrina. It's like, with your mom, it's really, really hard. Like our first instinct is like, oh my gosh, how can a mom be like that? But it's like, we have no idea what your mom went through mm-hmm. in her young years or mm-hmm. her. And you said that when you and I talked about this, mm-hmm. you were like, mm-hmm. the place you have to get to is like everybody has their hurt. Mm-hmm. And for some, it affects they, the way they raise their own children. And like you said, she reverted back. It was like, she mm. couldn't even comprehend, like, I'm a mom. I have things I'm supposed to be doing, mm. you know. So for and how huge of you to show grace there and even be able to think that way. Because mm. most people are just like, forget you, mom, you know. Mm-hmm. But you still wanted to do the right thing. And I think the same thing goes with forgiveness. It's like, it's not a right or wrong if you contact this person or you have to tell them or they mm. have to hear it. Mm. It's whatever that takes to get your heart in the right place. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter what they think or say mm-hmm. or respond. It's like... This is my, this is my story and what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. Now, did you ever think at the time, and I, you don't have to say names or anything, did you or did you think about telling anybody when it was happening? 
Or was it kind of like, mm-hmm. no, embarrassing, I'm shutting that out, I just don't want to think Shut about it. Shut it out. Okay. I was scared. I already lost my dad. Yeah. You know, I, I wanted to tell dad, but then I felt like I needed to protect him. Mm-hmm. Because there was a particular summer, the first summer he sent for me after they divorced, um, he flew me down and then he drove me back. And he had to tell me that mom had moved. And I was so upset. Yeah. And he goes, do you know where it's at? And I'm like, yeah, I know where it's at. He goes, so you can tell me the directions to get there. And I'm like, yeah. He goes, I really want to get back with your mom. Do you think she'll take me back? And I'm like, I don't know, Dad, you know? Yeah. And um, so when he drove me back then, um, I couldn't tell him. I I, I feared for his life because I didn't know how he would react. Right. Um, and the thing I can say too, Rachel, between my mom and dad, um, I feel like I had the both the best worlds. Mom was a great mom when I was little. Yeah. And then as I got older, dad was great. Yeah. And he asked for forgiveness. Yeah. He told me he was sorry for the way life went mm-hmm. and he wished that he could change it. Yeah. But for mom, mom would never ask for forgiveness. Right, right. <laughs> Just, uh, she was a firecracker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So now, being married as long as you've been, how did that, did mm-hmm. you tell Pat right away? Did you guys no. see just now learning? Like, what does that look like? Um, we talked about it because him and mom butted, butted heads quite mm-hmm. a bit okay. during our um, beginning of our years. Um, he became, became my protector. Uh, Pat and I only knew each other for three months. We were engaged. Stop it. Tell this story. What and happened? Then, within six months, we were married. Now, how did you meet? Well, now I have to hear this story. I did not know uh, this. Yeah. We went to the, when mom moved. Yeah. To, they had to go to a different high school. Um, I was a freshman and Pat was a senior. But I really didn't know him or get to meet him um, before he graduated. I knew all of his friends and people around us. But we ended up um, running into each other. He happened to be in visiting his parents because he lived up here. And um, we ran into each other. Mm. So he worked for North um, Transworld Express Airlines. He came up to stop in in 86 to open up Com Air Airlines. Okay. So he would travel back and forth. So when we met, he would come in and fly on his days off to see me. Uh-huh. So, I didn't know he was a pilot. No, he was a station manager. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, okay. For okay. the airport, yeah. So he was, okay, gotcha. Yeah. So at the end of his airline career. But, um, yeah, within three months of us, him commuting and us dating, he asked me to marry him. And then um, I actually fell in love with his parents before I fell in love with him. Oh, my goodness. Because I became really good friends with his mom, and I would go see them almost every day after work. Um, it was the family unit that yeah. I was attracted to. Sure. So healthy family unit. Yeah. Yeah. That I loved being around. Yeah. So, um, and just being around them and the calmness gave me comfort. Yeah. And I, and I was hungry for that. Right. So, and then within, um, like I said, three more months later, then we ended up getting married and I transferred to South Bend with my job and, um, mom was mad. Oh, I bet. Cause her take her care is done. Yeah. Mom was mad. And 
um, Pat's parents came to her house and helped move me out and drove, moved me up here. And, um, and then she, mom came to visit a couple of times in one particular time. She thought that she was going to use her forcefulness on Pat mm. and have control in her drinking. And she started trying to physically abuse him. And he said, you need to go get your suitcase. You need to go back home. Yeah. And he, she, he told her, I promised Sabrina when I married her that she would never live the way that she did before. Wow. And so there was a couple of years that mom and I never spoke. Wow. Not Just, because of me. Sure. It was because she wouldn't want to speak to me. Yeah. I would try... Um, the call constantly just to see how she was how she was I went back to Huntington West Virginia and would try to find her oh my gosh and I would go to all of her little hangout spots couldn't find her so there was quite a few years that we would go back home just to see Pat's folks and then come back so she pretty much missed out on Miranda growing up yeah her only grandchild yeah at that time oh my goodness and then how did it come to be? Was it health issues that she ended up moving mm-hmm. here then? Mm-hmm. Okay. And so mm-hmm. that's, and when she moved here, it was to move in with you or just move close first and then move in? Um, I had to make lots of trips um, when we were finding out that, what she was, that she was drinking quite a bit. And it was interfering with her work. And she would be thinking that it's 8 o'clock in the morning and she was late for work, but it would be 8 o'clock at night. Oh, my gosh. So um, she ended up in the hospital several times because she had drank herself to death and would be passed out on her living room floor. And my aunt would have to call the ambulance, and then she would refuse help. Or there would be times that we didn't know how long maybe that she had been sure. out. So um, once she did get to the hospital, I would be called. Mm-hmm. When she started not showing up for work, I got called. Mm-hmm. And this is a seven and a half hour drive. Oh my gosh. So, um, finally, towards the end there, I said, that's it, Mom. And she was really, really bad at this point. And um, I had to take her to her doctor and got her detox medicine to make the trip up here. Oh, wow. So, so she, she just wouldn't have it for even like seven hours. Yeah. And she was in really, really bad shape. Oh, I bet. And um, so we get her up here, and I pretty much had to stop working because trying to find a doctor was not easy because you have to wait six weeks or what. And I'm like, I needed somebody a lot faster than that because I had her on this detox medicine. Yeah. So she always said that we drugged her. Oh. Mm-hmm. So, but... um. The behavior, so what she ended up with, she was almost in congestive heart failure. Mm-hmm. Um, she had COPD. Mm-hmm. She ended up on oxygen 24-7. And she had early onset dementia that was alcohol related. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. So um, I don't know if we did the right thing bringing her into our home because it was hard. Yeah, sure. And we probably should have reached out and got some help 
you know, professionally because of the behavioral issues. At times we didn't know whether that was just her plain meanness or if it really was an illness. Yeah, also trying to figure it out. So she was very jealous of Noah being the age he was and the attention that he got from me because she wanted me to give her all of my attention. So it was like having another child. Yeah, sure. Wow. Mm-hmm. And when did, how old was she when she ended up passing away? She had just turned 70. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Talk a little bit about your most current health journey and how that, yeah. Yeah. So how that came about. Um, a lot has happened in the past year with my health. Um, and sometimes I wonder if it was the grief and all of the other things that come up, come to play in your life. That... And that I'm so glad you said that, Sabrina, mm-hmm. because I think people talk about like, you know, there's very few doctors who talk about it, but it's starting to become a little bit more mm-hmm. where it's like, is is there something to stuffing things, not letting mm-hmm. things out? Can it manifest in whatever? And it's like, mm-hmm. I don't know if it can or not, but as believers, you know, it's kind of like, Mm-hmm. We were made to talk about it, and we were made to mm-hmm. grieve, and mm-hmm. and how that ends up coming about is very interesting. Like your body mm-hmm. will take care of it in one way or another. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So go ahead. In the last year, I didn't mean to interrupt you. <laughs> that's no, that's fine. So um, this past year, um, I had a body scan done for my doctor mm-hmm. because of cholesterol and all that kind of good stuff, and so I went and they had said that I had a blockage in my right valve of my heart. So I needed to go to do a nuclear stress test. So at the same time in the same week, I go for my mammogram, just my regular mammogram. So I find out that they spotted something that they believed that was cancer. And so we started week after week after week since July. It was just been super busy. So from the biopsy, so they moved me pretty along pretty fast. By August, I had the surgery and had it removed mm-hmm. and um, was very blessed that it was found at the time that it was found. Um, it had not left the milk duct, so I didn't have to do any, it was not in my lymph nodes, I didn't have to do any radiation or chemo. Oh, okay. So just on the hormone blockers mm-hmm. for the next three years, which I'm very blessed with that too, because some women have to go for five years. So um, this is just a journey. I know sometimes some people don't like the word journey, but to me it's been a journey that the Lord has put me on. And I try to be obedient because I'm like, where does he need me to go so that I may need to be a blessing to somebody or mm-hmm wants me to do something so that's the way I kept looking at the whole the whole time that we were going through this so yeah. and it's just getting your energy back up you know yeah, from, sure. from all of the surgery and the medication and all of that but yeah. it's it's been a good thing I was gonna say that's only been August is yeah four or five months so yeah that's crazy yeah. good for yeah. you good yeah. for you Talk a little bit about how you got into like uh, Mary Kay and what that has meant for you to okay. kind of be. Sure. I got into Mary Kay when I was 18 and was in Mary Kay when I had met my husband. But then when he showed up in my life, nothing else mattered. So I let it go. <laughs> and then, no more Mary Kay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so always cared about my skin and always tried to take care of it. And then I think I came to your house for a Mary Kay party. You did? Yes. And so then um, 
started using it more and decided that I would go ahead and give it a shot again because I was looking for something where I could still take care of mom and bring income in. Yeah. And mom loved it. No. It made her so happy. We would have <laughs> events at the house and she loved the women coming over and it just it gave her a different outlook. Really? Yeah. I didn't know so that. she loved playing with the makeup. She loved doing facials and I just did my best to give her the best happiness that I could give her. Mm-hmm. So went headstrong with that and I just always have felt like I've kept a hold of it. I feel like it's part of my mission field. Mm-hmm. I enjoy making my deliveries. It's a lot of women that you get to touch through that. A lot of women I get to sit with. Mm-hmm. I've sat with some women who wanted to leave their husbands. Mm-hmm. And they've talked to me about it. And I said, we just need to pray about it. Yeah. And then they call me the next day and say, thank you. I thought about it. I prayed about it. Yeah. You know, or they just need somebody to talk to. Right. Yeah. How cool. Just that, you know, that girl time. Yeah. yeah. Right. So that's the way I've always looked at the Mary Kay business. I, I enjoy it for that. And, and it has been a blessing and rewarding to be a little of the extra income. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I will ask you our final three questions in a minute, but I wanted to talk about one other thing. What do you say now to like, or what would you say like now? And I know it's very fresh and real to you because you're talking about it for mm-hmm. the first time. What are some things that you've, that like God has said to you through this of the healing part and the forgiveness part that has been helpful? That what God has said, Mm -hmm. what God has said that we need to forgive in order for us to be forgiven. Mm -hmm. And I think, was it Peter who said, God, how many times do I ask for forgiveness? Seven times? And did he say, uh, 70 times seven mm-hmm. that wasn't i don't believe it was meant to be a number right right but that just, just means a, yeah, always all, forgive yeah, yeah so i think as my faith has grown stronger and that my faith has grown grown stronger since mom passed mm-hmm. because um i've leaned upon him more yeah and he does come and um as you get that closeness in that relationship with him he makes light of what your answers are. Yeah. So, uh, and I have to say it's because that's what we have to do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's so helpful too, because there's a freedom and like a release when you hear other people's stories, you're like, I'm not Mm -hmm. the only one. And these people were Mm -hmm. able to forgive. Mm -hmm. And it, because I think a lot of times that's what, Satan does in the dark. It's like, mm-hmm. it's only you. Mm-hmm. You must have deserved it. Mm-hmm. Nobody else is going to like like you if you tell them this story. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And mm-hmm. and it just keeps growing. It's like such a nasty... And so I think that's so cool that you are helping other women in that way, reaching out, listening to their stories, mm-hmm. because that's a huge part mm-hmm. of the forgiveness part of it, mm-hmm. to just mm-hmm. be able to say it out loud and go, okay, now mm-hmm. what are we going to do with it? Right. Yeah. So cool. Oh, I'm so thankful, Sabrina. I forgot about the whole coming to my house. And when we met, we when you got here, I was like, Sabrina, remind me. Because I couldn't remember if it was, it's just crazy that we met like out at a ballpark and now 
Pincelia was just a wee babe. And they worked together, too. That's right. That's right. So cool. Mm. All right. What's the one thing you want your people that are closest to you to say they remembered most about you? I'm hoping that they'll remember that I always carried joy and I gave kindness and I that they actually believed I cared mm-hmm. because I do care. Yeah. Well, and I encourage you in that because Zelia being doing her little sales now, we see you a lot of times at mm-hmm. festivals and stuff. And I'm mm-hmm. always amazed you have, and not a lot of people have this gift, but you have the gift of you never feel like, I, nobody ever feels like they're being rushed when they talk to you. Like mm-hmm. you can stand there and you'll stand there and listen for however long. And mm-hmm. it's never, you don't have an agenda. You're not trying to, mm-hmm. like you're just there to listen. And mm-hmm. that kindness, it's not, it can't be faked. And mm-hmm. I think that's just a really cool thing. If you knew today was your last day on earth, how would you spend it? I would spend it just with my family. The family that the Lord blessed me with. The reward that he gave me for what I've gone through. Mm-hmm. That's my gift. And I want to spend every moment that I can with them. Because mm-hmm. I'm going to a higher place and a better place. All right. Yeah. What one piece of advice would you give someone who's in a really tough stretch of life right now? Um, the piece of advice I would give them is to not to give up, to focus on the Lord for help and strength. As I've gotten older, one thing that I have learned is developing that community of women where it's safe for you to be able to talk mm-hmm. and pray together. That gives you the strength and the encouragement to make it through. Mm-hmm. It's so important, especially other women, mm-hmm. because I think better, worse, whatever, it's just we live different. Mm-hmm. Like we carry things differently Mm -hmm. than even like guys can and made differently on purpose and I just feel like it is a huge deal to share with other women and just to know that your journey your season there will be light at the end of the tunnel Mm -hmm. to keep pushing through just keep pushing through yeah and take it and don't use it for regret use it as you've gained wisdom yeah for whatever you went through for Mm -hmm. sure Thank you so much. Thank you so much for sharing. I really, really appreciate it.